Let's take our Bibles and children. If you're going to the children's church and toddler's church, let's uh, be dismissed. And let's turn to John chapter 9. I would like to just simply ask a question by way of the title of the message. And, um, And that is simply, do you see as well as the blind man? And, uh, of course, we use that term, seeing things. In fact, many of you probably remember Alan. Uh, Pray for him when you think of him. When the Lord brings him to mind, he is battling a lot of very uh, difficult health issues and would love to be in church. Uh, We just got him a uh, thumb drive full of sermons, and he was thrilled with that. So pray for Alan. But every time I talk to Alan... And, of course, Alan is blind, completely blind, not even any light perception. He'll say, you know, I can't wait to see you. (laughs) And uh, he's actually being very honest. Fanny Crosby, when she wrote her songs, um, I shall know him when I see the prints of the nails in in his hands. Uh, the, The idea, you do not have to physically have eyes to see. And most of us who can see, now, uh, I am uh, 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 a man that uh, I'm wearing contact lenses, and if I want to read, I, I have surrendered to the need of reading glasses. And uh, uh, I have sworn that I would never wear bifocals. But uh, when I'm doing the work at Union, I have to read the tape measure. I got bifocals, and uh, uh, my lenses are thick enough that uh, I don't need to worry about safety lenses. They take care of that all by themselves. And, and so, uh, when uh, when I take my glasses off or my contacts out, uh, I am legally blind. Uh, uh, my joke with my barber is: Let me put my glasses on so I can see whose hair you just cut. Because uh, I honestly couldn't tell by what I see in the mirror. I know it's me, but uh, uh, I'd rather put my glasses on and know for sure. How many of you have been tricked in your eyesight? You thought you saw something that you didn't see. I mean, all of us. Isn't that true? And how many times in life have we used the phrase... Boy, I didn't see that coming. When some circumstance just came out of the blue, when something happened and uh, that we didn't understand, and and of course, my favorite use of the word sight is as we read our Bible. I think of how many times I have read through the Bible, and yet I'll read a passage. And all of a sudden, something that I have thought about and, and uh, uh, maybe just a point of, uh, uh, of question or misunderstanding, and all of a sudden it comes crystal clear. After years, after hundreds, sometimes even thousands of times, reading that same verse over and over and over again, all of a sudden, that truth comes into focus and... and Different pieces of the puzzle start falling into place. How many of you have ever had that happen? 
And that is our our story here in John chapter 9. It's the story of the blind man. And there's some really unusual things about this blind man. And we find out that he actually had very good eyesight. Of course, Jesus healed him and he could see things perfectly. But after Jesus healed him, before that point... Physically, his sight was completely lost to him. He was born blind, had never known what sight is. Uh, Think about trying to explain color to someone who has never seen anything. You, You can't do it. Because they have no reference point. Now, someone who has had their sight and has lost it, boy, you can describe things to them and they'll say, yes, I I remember what the leaves look like in, in, in the fall and I've seen the pictures and you can tell them that it's been an exceptionally beautiful fall and foliage change. Or you can say, boy, this year everything is all the same color. It's just brown. And they will understand. But a person who has never seen anything you you cannot communicate these things and so we start in John chapter 9 and verse 1 and Jesus passed by and he saw a man which was blind from his birth and his disciples asked him saying master who did sin this man or his parents that he was born blind Jesus answered, neither hath this man sinned. Always want to put in there, dummy. Uh, How could somebody sin before they were born? But Jesus' patience is such a wonderful truth, is it not? Jesus answered, neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay, and said unto him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, (coughs) which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed. And came seeing. Now you would think that that was the end of the trouble of the blind man, would you not? He was blind. He had been blind all of his life. Jesus took notice of him on this day. And he gave the man the gift of sight. But that was not the solution to his problems. Actually, it was the beginning of his problems, wasn't it? And if we were to read through the next verses, and, and we'll, we'll pick up the, the context here at the, at the very end, is that nobody wanted to believe that he was a blind man, and now he saw. And so they're arguing. Well, he looks like him. No, it's got to be him. And you can just see the picture as the blind man stands. It's me! It's me. I can see now. I I am the blind man. I'm no longer blind. No, no, it can't be. 
That never, ever happens. Well, what happened? Well, Jesus, He anointed my eyes with clay, and He told me to wash, and I washed, and now I see. They said, well, wait a minute, that doesn't fit our understanding. Today is the Sabbath day. You're not supposed to work on the Sabbath day. Making clay is work. Now, just to illustrate the point from the Bible, how many of you remember in the days of Moses at the foot of Mount Sinai, a Egyptian man, possibly married to a Jewess, or one of the mixed multitude there that went with Israel out of the land of Egypt, was gathering sticks to start a fire. He didn't start the fire. He was just picking up the sticks on the Sabbath day. What happened to him? God's command was that he be put to death for breaking the Sabbath. How many remember that story from the Bible? So the question is, did Jesus break the Sabbath? That's the question that was being asked in the, in the circles of the Pharisees and these people. And they said, boy, we're not smart enough to figure this out. We're going to take them to the Pharisees because they, they know the Bible. How many of you are familiar with the verse in the law of God that says, if thine animal or sheep fall in a hole, a pit, on the Sabbath day, that you are allowed to put forth the effort that was needed to save the life of your animal and remove him from the pit? That's part of the law, by the way. So, and Jesus would ask this question several different times and always get a very angry response. You're allowed to lead your animal to watering so they do not go thirsty on the Sabbath day because God does not believe in cruelty to animals. Contrary to PETA and all of the rest of them. But... Would it be any less of an act of kindness and goodness to give this man sight on the Sabbath day? To heal the man with the withered hand? To loose the woman who was bound over in infirmity and could in no wise raise herself up? You see, doing good is what the Sabbath was all about. Being kind and releasing people from their burdens and from their suffering. So Jesus did not break the Sabbath. He actually fulfilled it, did he not? In giving this man his sight. But you see, the Pharisees didn't see it that way. Because this man was blind. Now he sees. And, and you made mud. And because you made mud, that's the uh, modern word for clay. Jesus spit in the dirt and made mud out of it and smeared it on the guy's face and told him to go wash. That doesn't sound like a very pleasant experience, especially for a blind man. Here you are, you can't see, you can't, and all of a sudden you feel this slimy 
gritty thing being smeared on your face by somebody else's hands. And then you're told to go to a certain pool and wash your face. And so he goes and he washes and all of a sudden he opens his eyes and for the first time in his life. Could you imagine how terrifying it would be to open your eyes and actually see for the first time and perceive color and people and things? I'll bet you he was in a state of shock. How many of you want to think about that? I mean, wow. He, he had seen, but he knew what had been done. And as he related his story, verse 18 says, But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him that had received his sight. Now, could you imagine this? We want to know where your mom and dad are. My mom and dad are retired. I don't care. We're going to take them out of the nursing home. We want proof that you were born blind and now you can see. We're not going to believe it. Isn't that the way the world is about everything? Isn't that the way we are about certain things when it comes to the Bible? And so, here we have the blind man. He now sees. And Jesus, in the first few verses, gives us the cause of his blindness. How many are you ready for this one? The disciples, they believed that this blindness had to happen... Because of some evil deed that was perpetrated. Now, how can you sin before you were born? That's hard to do. In fact, uh, I would say, well, nigh impossible. Would you agree with me on that? And so, just because this man was born blind does not mean something bad had to happen. This was not God's judgment. You know what God was trying to do with the blind man? He was going to use him as an example from this time forward. As long as people get together with this book called the Bible, he was going to use this man and his story as an eye test, as a a vision test to see if you can see as well as the blind man saw. It says that, the, God, the works of God. And, and let's just read those verses again. Je- Jesus, in verse 3, Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he had thus spoken... He anointed him with the clay, sent him to wash, and gave him the sight. Does that not tell you that Jesus was much more interested in just than in just restoring the physical vision to a man who was born without eyesight? Are we all together on that point? It's really important because we can't go to the next one until we get this one, all right? Uh, We want to be together here. We want to understand that there is something much deeper going on here than just simply 
restoring sight to a man that was born blind. Much deeper than just showing the scribes and the Pharisees, the capital J-E-W-S, the Jews who ruled over their own people, that the Sabbath day was a day to do good, a day to release people from their burdens, not to be a burden upon the people. Sabbath is always a day of rest. But could I challenge you that there is no one more blind than those who think they see. Now, please do not take this as an insult if you're elderly here, but how many of you have seen one of those great big old cars left over from the 70s with this little tiny guy that could hardly see over the steering wheel and he's driving down the road and it scares the living daylights out of you what that little tiny man is going to do with that great big car. Am I the only one that's ever seen that in New York City? Uh, Okay, I, I, I get a few nods of agreement there. And they keep talking about making mandatory tests every year once you get over a certain age to keep your driver's license uh, in, uh, in, in effect because how many stories do we know of someone who literally could not see refusing to give up the right to drive and got in an accident? They don't talk about them often, but we had that story in Crown Heights, what, 10, 15 years ago, where the rabbi ran over that poor little kid in the street. Shouldn't have been driving because he couldn't see. How many of you, when there's frost on the windshield, cut a little tiny hole in the middle? Turn the heater on high (laughs) until it melts. Shame on you and me. Don't do that. Don't ever do that. Because you can't see. And if you can't see moving a vehicle down the road at high rates of speed. Bad things are going to happen now, aren't they? We, I like to make fun of the global warming crowd. I hope you don't mind my sense of humor. But I don't know anything more silly. I, I love... The real facts. You know what? It actually is warming on the surface of the earth. It really is. But it's also warming on the surface of Mars, Venus, Jupiter, and I believe even Saturn. You know why? Because man-made natural gases are... No, they haven't gotten to Saturn. I'm sorry. They can't go there. It doesn't work that way. You see, there's this thing called the sun, and it puts out energy in varying rates, and it heats the earth, and if it didn't, you'd freeze to death. And sometimes it puts out a little more heat than it does at other times, and we're in one of those cycles, and 
the entire universe is a little warmer than it has been. So we're all going to drown and the ice cap's going to melt and actually we're seeing a shift. The, the one ice cap is getting bigger and the other one's getting smaller. But the sum total of Arctic ice is actually larger today than it has been in like 30 or 40 years. You can look it up. You can verify it. But all you're going to find in the news media is stories about the shrinking ice cap. And how many of you have seen the picture of the polar bear floating on the ice floe and he's going to drown? We, I mean... How many of you here know that polar bears can swim very, very well and inhumanly long distances because they're not humans, they're bears? Uh, that polar bear was not in any danger at all. That was a totally fabricated story. It is the biggest, one of the biggest lies and hoaxes that has ever been foisted on the American people. And by the way, talk to the hungry family. If you ever have the opportunity to get very close to a polar bear, you're in big trouble. Yet they're not nice. Uh, you, you, uh, unless you want to become polar bear food, you better get out of there in a big, big hurry. And, uh, but could I say this? No one is as blind as he who thinks he sees something. Could I give you the most extreme example of that that I know of? Hitler's SS Nazi troops, stormtroopers. The murder and the wanton destruction of people's lives and property that they committed. And when they were put on trial at the end of the... uh, uh, a war in the very city where Heydrich was the one that formulated the mass murder and the genocide in Nuremberg. And they put them on trial in that very city. Here's what they said. I had to follow my orders or I would be killed. And fortunately, there was a little bit of sanity in that courtroom and they said that is no defense. You see, if they had won the war, they would have done that to the entire human race. That was Hitler's plan. They followed him blindly. They worshipped him as a god. They say Hitler, in the last months of his life, was in the bunker there in Berlin, moving imaginary armies and launching fantasy strikes against the Allies as they could hear the guns of the Russians moving in from the, uh, from the east and from the, the west, the, the move of the Allied soldiers there. The bombs were falling. Berlin was in ruins and Hitler still had plans. He was a madman. He was full of visions that if we were to evaluate, we could only say came from the devil himself. Because that's the only place where you get that kind of murder and hatred and 
wickedness and worship of self. Somebody said, oh, he was just an egomaniac. No, he wasn't. He was a demon-possessed destroyer of mankind. But if you were to ask, even today, if you are to find one of these people that still survive, you'll see this Holocaust denier. It's a movement. And they'll say, it never happened. How could you murder six million people? Well, I'll tell you how you can do it. You can go get the record books out of the prison, out of the concentration camps. We still have some of them. There's no way to account for all of the death and destruction, but they did so. Believing they were doing good. That's what the Bible means when every man did that which is right in his own eyes. How could you be so blind? But people are. Could I challenge you another story? Part of this story that we have covered are covering today back to our Bible story. Nobody is so blind as those that think they see and understand. But do you see the exclusivity factor in this story? And what I mean by that is this man was blind. He was separated from all society. He could not work. He was a beggar. The only thing, good things in his life were what people gave him. He was led to a spot. He would sit there. That was his spot. People were accustomed to coming and seeing him there. And they would give him money. And that's how, that was the only way he had food to live. But all of a sudden, he's not part of the beggar group anymore. He's joining the seeing group. And they didn't want to let him in. Are you together with me yet? Uh, wait a minute. How, how in the world did you get to see? And he told him the story. That's not good enough. Let's call your parents. Uh, that's not good enough. Let's take you to the Pharisees. Uh, that's not good enough. Let's cast you out of the synagogue. You're not part of us. You can see, but you can't see what we see. Isn't that what's in the story? How many of you have ever had that happen to you because of Jesus? You're in the family. All they see. We have been, fill in the blank, Catholic, Protestant, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, orthodox, whatever, fill in the blank. Your grandfather was, and his grandfather, and his grandfather before him, and this is our family's truth, and you're going to violate it. I'm sorry. You see, because once I was blind, I could not see the truth. And I read the words of this book and I realized how blind I really am. And I came to a man named Jesus and he gave me sight. 
And now I see. You know, I wonder what went on in the lives of so many of these people who followed Adolf Hitler, who were part of the Soviet thugs and war machine. They conducted war on their own people and and enslaved generation after generation. I'll tell you where a lot of them went, the Soviets anyway. Communism doesn't work, we'll try capitalism. But it's the same thugs enslaving the same people. Read the history. Uh, That's where Mr. Putin came from. And he's still doing the exact same things. Would you know what that tells me? That he never was a communist. He's never going to be a capitalist. He's always going to be for himself. You see, religion's the same way. We have a lot of people who think they see. Oh, it breaks my heart. I don't need one of those. Trying to give out a gospel tract. It was funny yesterday. It was we were just walking back to the church and there was a young lady coming up sidewalk and I tried to give her one. She's, you could just see every bone in her body bristling. I, I got to think of some way to show my disgust and hatred for these people. And the only, I mean, it was terrible. And she's just sitting there and go, and as she walked by and I'm sitting there, do you know how ridiculous you look, little girl? I got daughters older than you. And I'm glad you're not one of my little girls because my little girls usually got in a lot of trouble for doing those kinds of things. You know, it's just not polite. But had to do it. Because nobody holding a Bible can see and understand all that I see and understand. How pathetic. You know what the blind man said? He said, I do know this. Once I was blind, but now I see. How many could give that testimony? Once I was blinded by sin and religion, but but now I see Jesus. And I understand what he did on the cross, paid the price for my sins once and forever. Amen? Now let's go down to the end here. We come down to verse 35. Jesus heard that when they cast him out, that they had cast him out. And when he found him, isn't that interesting? Jesus heard that they had cast him out of the synagogue, that he was cut off from the Jewish people. And Jesus went out and found him. I've heard the story of many people saying, well, you know, I've... I've been searching for God all my life. Well, let me tell you something. He's not hard to find because He's searching for you. Amen? He's looking for you. He wants to find you if you'll only be found. 
Let's finish reading the story here. And when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He, the blind man, answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus saith, said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. And that last next phrase, let's read those uh, last three words, uh, four words together. Would you read that with me? And he worshipped him. One more time. And he worshipped him. What's the first commandment? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. What's the second commandment? Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. And then it goes through and lists all the different things you're not to make graven images of. And then it tells you not to bow yourself down to them. You're not to worship them in any way. God wants us to understand something. The only being, the only thing that deserves worship in the universe is God. That's why we call this a worship service. Amen? Now, here's a blind Jewish man that has received his sight, that has just been excised, cast out, excommunicated from Israel proper. He will never be allowed in the temple again and never allowed to worship in the temple. And by the way, while he was blind, he was not allowed to worship in the temple either. Everything had to be done for him. He never had that privilege. But I'm going to see him in heaven. How about you? Because he was willing to surrender a life of blindness to Jesus Christ so he could receive his sight. Have you ever tried to put yourself in the Bible stories? Most of us would say, if that were me and I was born blind, had to live my whole life blind so Jesus could come by and, I want a lawyer. That's not fair. Why should I have to live my whole life in blindness just so Jesus could come by and give me sight? That's ridiculous. Uh, Not in God's eyes. And it shouldn't be in ours. Not because we're some blind, mind-numb Calvinist who says, well, God does what He wants to do and that's okay and I don't care and I can't change it. No. How about you get to be the vision test for all people reading this story until Jesus comes back? That'd be a pretty special position, wouldn't it? We're, we're talking about his story today. You see, what God chooses to do with your life or not do with your life ought to be left in the providence of God's will. Could we say amen to that? And can you trust him? When things happen that you don't understand. Can we say amen to that? 
There are so many things in this life that we think we see and we think we truly understand. And then one day we find out all the rest of the information and found out we didn't understand the thing we thought we did. And so, maybe we ought to abide by the teachings of the Bible. And it says, if you're going to judge the law, you're no longer a keeper of it, you're a judge. If you're going to judge your brothers and your sisters, you're no longer a servant of Christ. You're the judge of other men's behaviors. We, we do not promote non-thinking in our church. In fact, if you come and listen to these sermons, I, I hope they haunt you during the week and I hope they make you stop and think and go over some of these things. And I want you to read this story this week and go over this thing. You see, this man knew he was blind. He had spent his whole life begging until Jesus came by and smeared mud on his face. Now he could see. And in just a few, maybe hours, less than that, more than likely, he is now instructing the scribes and the Pharisees who have had their eyesight their whole year and whole life and have read the Word of God and done nothing but studied the Bible. And here we have a blind man who's only seen for a few minutes giving them actual instruction to the point where they say, you were born in sin. You were born blind because of sin. And it's all your fault. And get away from us. See, you're going to teach us? We're going to teach you. We're going to throw you out. When the blind man actually had a whole lot of information. In fact, let's read just the last that. Try to wrap this up here. Verse 39 through 41, verses 39 through 41, John chapter 9. And Jesus said, For judgment I am come into this world, that they which see not might see, and that they which see might be made blind. And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and said unto him, Are we blind also? Jesus said unto them, If ye were blind, ye should have no sin, but now you say, We see... Therefore, your sin remaineth. How many of you remember that day, that time, when you finally surrendered to God's love? When you finally admitted that you could not save yourself? There was nothing you could do to get rid of your sin. And you asked Jesus to save you, and he gave you eternal life. Could you just lift up a hand and say, I remember that day, I remember that time. How many of you said, I could just feel the burden slip away. I, could, I, I felt free when I finally trusted Jesus. Maybe you're one of those ones that didn't feel anything. You didn't understand, but you grew in that understanding. And I tried to sum it up this way. What you did to get saved 
is what you do to live for Him. You see, it is my continual surrender of my ability not to see and not to understand that allows Jesus' sight and Jesus' understanding to guide me and direct me in the way that I should go. Can we say amen to that? And the opposition you are going to get The greatest opposition you will have is not from the world. The greatest opposition you will have in serving Christ is from people who call themselves Christians. People who think they see and understand. But they don't. You see, nobody's more blind than someone who thinks they can see. And no one is more insulted by you gaining your sight than someone who thinks that they need to see for you. But when we come together in the assembly of this body called a church and admit our blindness and our inability to our Savior, you know what He does? He lets us see how we can serve Him. Can we say amen to that? And so the question I have, can you see as well as a blind man did? This is God's vision test right here. Oh yeah, I see. I I really understand. Well, you just failed the test. Because it's not about you. It's about Jesus. I need to let Jesus see for me. And all God's people said, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. We ask that the Holy Spirit would have freedom to open our eyes to our own blindness. How many other passages could we have gone to and the letter to the Laodicean church. They could not see their own wretchedness and nakedness. Lord, we pray that we would never be among that number. But Lord, we would take our cue, we would take our direction from this blind man in this story. And Lord, we'd come to you with our blindness and leave seeing. We ask you to work in our time of invitation that We would do business with you, that we would allow you to draw us closer to you. And of course, if there be one here today that is not saved, that Lord, they would come and trust you as their personal Savior. We ask you to do your work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As Andrew comes and leads a song of invitation, the altars open. If you're here today and you're not sure about your salvation, would you just look this way as you walk down the aisle and we'll take the Bible and share with you how you may know your sins are forgiven. Stand with us if you would. If you need to come pray, the time is now.